Thanks. So Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born of the, of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard of this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the ruler of Judah, rulers of Judah. For whom no sorry, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them ascertained, sorry, from them what time he the star had appeared. And he has sent and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest on the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you for Herod, until I, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I, call, I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he has had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted, because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophet by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of God.
Amen. Thank you, Joseph. So we made it to Christmas, finally. Well, we got to Jesus being born, which we celebrated some uh, a month ago. Um, but uh, in the story, we just got there here in the beginning. Um, there's a few things to look for as we go through the text, and maybe just like the big things is um, uh, it, it's a. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I, we played it a couple of times. It's this thing called The Innkeeper by Joan Piper. This is kind of a part of the Christmas story. We forget uh, that there's a battle of two kingdoms. Um, and so so I've called it like the clash of the kingdoms. Like who's your king? Who's our king? And how do we react to Jesus the king? Uh, we have some different uh, players. In, uh, not players. We have some different people here. Uh, we We see... Uh, we are introduced to these wise men, these magi, they're called. Uh, we know very, very little about these people. Uh, lots of things has been speculated throughout the years. Uh, oh, so this is like, this is the region. Uh, we see Jerusalem, Bethlehem, not too far from each other. Then you see Nazareth, actually pretty far away, uh, up in the north in that region. Um, uh, so there's uh, different theories about where they come from. They come from where the sun comes up, so they can they come somewhere from the east. Um, some people say that they're astrologer, astrologers. Later, there's this uh, theory that they might be somehow very influential royal. They also call the kings, and also that makes some sense because they get access to the they at least are of some status because they get access to the king. Um, <coughs> Uh, but uh, we don't know how many they were, uh, and we don't know uh, what their names are. All those things are traditions added on thousands of years later, uh, so we know very little about these people. But the most important thing about these people we know is a huge contrast to the rest of the people in the story. They were looking for the king they had their eyes in the sky and they saw the star rise they traveled a long time they spent they were looking for the messiah they're not even Jewish but they were looking for the king of the Jews to be born they see his star they spend money. They spend time. They're extremely devoted. And they go. We see their response. I'm getting way ahead of my head. But we see the response they have. Uh, well, let's just take them one at a time. But th- those, those are the... If you want to be like somebody, be like the wise men in this story. Because then we have some other players in the story, and that's Herod. Uh, a little bit about Herod is uh, he's not an Israelite. He is also propped up a king from Rome. He is not uh, a rightful ruler, um, but he does get crowned after getting kicked out one time. He get cra- he gets crowned, and he actually he actually reigns for thirty three years. But he's a puppet king of the Romans. 
He marries 10 women. He has 15 children. He kills five of his children because he's afraid that they will take over his throne. He also gave his orders, orders to his uh, soldiers to kill his favorite wife if something happened to him. Um, Herod, uh, Herod is called Herod the Great. I don't know if he decided that himself, or it was because he built many great buildings that are still that that are in ex- ex- existence in this period. Uh, if you remember going through Acts, he builds uh, Caesarea, he builds the te- he rebuilds the temple, uh, lots of big important buildings. I mean, he doesn't lift a finger himself, but I mean, he gets other people to do it for him. But so he's a he's a a man who is willing to do whatever it takes for him to rule his kingdom. Quite a contrast to the wise men, or the magi, and. And and you get you. <laughs> what was the first thing that happened to Herod? It was like, what? Um, oh, that's not down. The first thing we have uh, with Herod um, is that he is uh, disturbed. Oh, I can't find it. One back. So. So he's troubled by this news. Herod is not looking for the Messiah at all. He's not interested in somebody else than him being the king. Which we also see in his response. He has this shrewd response that he 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 asks the wise men when the star arose. And I think it's interesting that they, as what is very clarifying for me, they see a star, and then they go to Jerusalem. But it's not like they're following the star the whole way. The star is only there. Then they go. The star is not there, and then we see the star appear again. But they're like, okay, the king of the Jews, he must be born in Jerusalem. So they go ask the king. Uh, the king's not excited. He's actually troubled, and he starts hatching a plan. Already here, where he's asking, "Hey, when did when did the star arise?" Yeah, yeah, okay, you guys. Uh, oh, you have a question. Okay, so your question is, where did the Messiah get born? Well, I've been a little bit busy being the king myself, so I haven't really looked into that. So I can ask the chief priests and the scribes, and just like that, the chief priest is plural is a is a hint that there's something wrong with the system. There's only supposed to be one chief priest. But the system has been skewed now. And it's maybe just as, pol- just as political and power written than, than, uh, than the king part. So the system is broken. And even when, even when they come in and say, Hey, hey uh, the prophets testify... In, in Micah, that Bethlehem is the place where where the Messiah will be born. They don't go. They don't go there. The chief priests, maybe they're busy doing priestly things, but they, they don't go. Herod's like, I'm too busy being the king. I don't really... You guys, you go, you go find, you go find him. If this is really the Messiah... <laughs> If this is really the king of kings, the one they've been looking for, 
for so long, then this response seems a little bit strange. Or at least shows that they're really not that interested. They're really not that interested in in the Messiah. The crazy part the, the, the crazy part is uh, and I think I'll get to that the, the crazy part is what Herod actually says like uh, it, I, 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 it stuck out to me that uh, um, that Herod agrees that Christ that, that the child that's born is the Christ like I, I was like why like no I can't find it looks like was yeah because uh, he, he says like go and search and come to okay but one more back okay so he says okay no he says uh, he says where is the Christ to be born so he says, where is the Christ to be born? So, so jo, uh, what's his name? Herod asks the, the high priest where the Christ was supposed to be born because, the, because the, the wise man says that he's born. He, up here it says, where is the one who's been corned, uh, born the king of the Jews? He puts that together and says, where is the Christ to be born? Yeah, verse 4. So he's, he knows who they're talking about. I was like, Wow. And especially his reactions afterwards is, I will kill, <laughs> I'm going to kill the one that's the hope of my people. The one that the prophets has foretold about, I am going to kill that one. This seems a little bit crazy. Uh, but maybe that's what can happen when we're too focused on, on our own kingdoms. Okay, so they get this, uh, we, we've seen this, and they get this, Hey, okay, guys, wise men, and your group, you go, you go and find, you go and find, um, go and find the, go and find the child. I'll come worship too. So, so they, they've already said that the way, wise man has already said, like we come to see who's the king, uh, and we're we're going to want, we want to worship him because uh, they said that in verse two, and then. Um, uh, and if you see verse 8, he says, uh, he says, go to Bethlehem, search for a child, and then tell me, and I'll come and worship also. So on the surface of things, things to be fine and good, except he doesn't want to go there in the beginning. He's maybe too kingly for that. And then in 9, it's like, they listen to the king, and then as they go out, they see the star again. And then for like three, uh, six miles, the star is ahead of them, and goes exactly to where the child was. And they respond with like overpowering joy. Like what? God is showing us where this child is to be born. We just have to follow this star now. And they do with great joy. And then going into the house, they see the child with Mary and they fall down and worship. They traveled far. They found a child. They worshiped the child. They open their treasures. They offer the gifts, gold, frankincense, and more. And then there's this period where, because until this, everything's okay. 
But then they get warned in a dream and they don't go back to Herod. So he misses out on worshiping Jesus. But we see right after that Herod is not about to worship Jesus. He's about to kill him. And so an angel comes again to, to Joseph and says, go away, go to Egypt. Because Herod is about to search for the child to destroy the child. And they, Joseph gets his family together and they depart for Egypt. And then we have the prophecy fulfills that God will call his son out uh, of, of Egypt. Then in 16, the eeriness starts because here we see the bad tempered Herod or extreme defense of his kingdom and then he really doesn't like to be humiliated or tricked the word there is like um, that he was tricked but also could be humiliated so he becomes furious and so furious that he sends people to kill all the children under two years in Bethlehem and around there. And here comes the, he's a shrewd king because he had already asked the wise men what time they saw the star. When did he get born? And so Jesus is two years or under at this point and therefore all the children under two years will be killed in that region. And then an eerie, eerie prophecy is fulfilled where Rachel is sweeping because her children are no more. She refuses to be comforted. And then we have the end where Herod is dead. Joseph is called again by the, not called, but the angel comes to him and says, you can go back. Joseph is like, well, you know, it's the three sons of it's the three sons of Herod that are ruling. So we hear about the one. So he chooses to go to Nazareth to live. And another prophecy is is fulfilled that Jesus would be called a Nazarene. And so you're sitting there, and it's like, what? I mean, what does that to do with me? And and you're right. Like, what else does this do with me? I think you're already you're already halfway there because like who are we living for what kingdom are we living for depending on where you come from uh, there's something called American American dream there's something called uh, Romanian dream there's, I don't know if there is but there's some all, all different cultures has these things that you can attain or maybe it's even what you grew up with in the educational system or pressures from your parents. So I think for a lot of people, it's a temptation to build our own kingdoms. And maybe they're never going to be as powerful as Herod's kingdom or something else. Maybe it's, maybe it's the unrighteous dream of having a house. There's nothing wrong with having a house. It's good to have a house. It's good to have a place to live. Um... But we have to see at what we have to see what do we do? What is our motivations behind? You can see with you can see with Herod how how bad this is. And also just just to just a pause and, and this was something I reminded reminded about. 
as we saw this pattern, and we see it throughout Scripture, we saw it a lot in Acts, that when God acts, there's going to be a counter pressure from the evil one. We saw it a lot when the good news of the gospel was pressured, was preached, and people responded, then persecution would come. This is one of the biggest things in human history. God's eternal plan of coming in human flesh, Jesus being born, an invasion of earth to redeem man, is not met without resistance. And so the enemy uses Herod to try to hunt down the promised one to kill him. Which is like, well, was it just Satan? Well, Satan was involved, but Herod is not acquitted because this is, Herod is <laughs> totally motivated by himself as well. But we see the two kingdoms collide. We see that God's kingdom's coming in, God's making a way, and then we see how the world, the flesh, and the devil is trying to kill the promised one, the Messiah. So we have, to, we have to just have that in mind also when we live our lives. I think sometimes, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if you've had experienced this, but sometimes like you can see God doing great, you see God doing things, he's saving people, he's just, uh, we see people being said, discipled, and all, all of a sudden weird things happen. People get sick, all the things happen. And you're like, why are these things happening? Well, it's a, it's a counter push from the enemy. We see God is working. Then we'll, oh, maybe all of a sudden we just feel a doubt. We, we're full of doubt and fear. Or other things happen. So I think we have to have our, our eyes open. That we are still in a, we're, when God works, there will be pressure from the evil one. And sometimes we don't even need the evil one in this world because we and everybody and lots of other people is just motivated by themselves to build their own kingdom the world of flesh and the devil inspired by doing evil but also doing evil to preserve our own kingdoms and so Herod is a prime example of that Herod is not the worst king in the world but he's a good example of one who was willing to kill, kill five of his own children and willing to kill Bethlehem's children and the regions around. You can say, well, how many people is that? It's not like 6,000. It's probably like 25 or something like that children. Not that that's not a bad thing. And maybe it's not really then, I mean, of course... <laughs> The tr- more tragic it is, the more it is. But it's more the motivation is how many, how every, however many it was, they should all die, so that he could retain his own kingship. Now, when we look at the characters in here, like the wise man, the king, the Jewish priests and scribes. We're confronted with these people. When we look at our lives, what, what is it? Who do we look like? 
and yes, we don't have the power of Herod, and maybe we don't have the prestige of the priests, and, and maybe we're not in the position of the wise men. But maybe it's not exactly about what they do. Maybe it's the attitude towards who God is, who, who, towards who, who Jesus is. What is that? What is our attitude? Now, if we take, if we just look at Herod, and I'm going to discourage you from wanting to be Herod. Um, Is that like Herod? We're all gonna die. Uh, he he dies with intestinal pains. He has a three thirty-three year old kingship, but then it's over. All the things he fought so hard for and killed for is then divided into three pieces for his son. All the kingdoms with the world, this world have seen, even the one that's lasted a long time, like the Roman Empire and other empires, they've all broken down over time. Whatever kingdom we can build that's our own is all, always going to disappear and crumble. And, and and sometimes when we are so focused on getting something, somebody said the encouraging thing, whatever you buy, whatever you get, at some point, it's just going to end up in a dumpster somewhere. <laughs> and so, so at some point, it's going to wear out. And so are the pursuit of prestige or things and stuff. Not that I'm, and I'm not saying those things are bad, but it's the motivation behind it. Knowing that those things, they don't last forever. And you've been right about what Jesus says, like, don't store up treasure on earth where a moth can come and destroy and thieves can steal it. Have treasure in heaven. Because then nobody can take it away. And it lasts last forever. But then we see the wise men, they're, man, they were so devoted. And the, I think I, that's like my last slide. I think it's such a, uh, I have all these slides. Uh, oh, that's when going to Egypt, going back from Egypt. This one, I, I really thought this, this is really a very good quote. The Magi honors, so Magi is like the wise men, honors Jesus King as one who is already King and not merely destined to become one. Moreover, in Matthew, they are the first people to worship Jesus. And they're Gentiles. Their seal to worship the child highlights 
the indifference of the Jews, none of them joined the Magi for the short trip to Jerusalem. And so we see these we see these foreigners that have been looking for the kingdom of the Jews. They see the star, they go worship him. And they are glaring contrast to the people of God who don't care. And the hostility towards from Herod who is trying to kill the one he knows to be the Messiah. I mean, this is just this is so crazy. Yeah, I'm going to kill the one who's going to redeem our people from sin and bring, and he's going to be the eternal king. Yeah, I'm going to kill him. That seems a little bit crazy. But then what about us? When we live in this life, how, how, how are we living this life? Do we look more like the wise men? Do we look more like, nah, I just don't really care, the people in the middle? Are we so focused on on building our own kingdom that we're even hostile towards God? The f- default of the human heart is probably the two last ones. The default of the human heart is not wanting to automatically worship who Jesus is, but and we see it today in the world. Like most people, either they don't care. Oh, there's a lot of hostility trying to undermine. It's like, no, no, you can't believe there's one God. Like, God's also evil. Like, there's many ways to God. Like, you shouldn't trust it. Like, all those things. And we see it today. We see how people, like, it's not communicated at all. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist about the media. I think it's because I just lots of things. But the ones that are getting killed by, for their faith, the most is Christians. So this is still going on today. That where God is moving hugely and many people are saved, some of the same areas where many people are killed for their faith. So you can say, although this is a long time ago, these things are still happening. I mean, Jesus is not incarnating all the time, but that, that, that we have God moving and then you have evil trying to stamp it out. That's still happening. And I'm wondering if you can see that in your own life. It's like, I move greatly in you. And all of a sudden there's trouble. There's different things that's happening. So what about you? What about us? Do we have hearts that seek first the kingdom of God? Or am I actively, actively, am I actually looking for God? And what does that look like in my everyday? Am I so busy with what, all the th- other things I'm doing? Not necessarily in a bad way, but I'm busy with whatever, all the things I have to do. If you get to look up, or I forget to pray, or I forget to ask the Lord. Or am I actively, <laughs> evilly, knowing I am doing evil, and I have no intention of following God? 
And you'd be like, well, I mean, we, we don't kill people. No, 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 but listen, remember what Jesus says. He tightens all the commands, even to a un- really uncomfortable part. This is like if you call your brother an idiot. Like you're liable for hell. So all there, like, I know it's not slaughtering small children. It's not. Jesus does tighten it and say, hey, what are you doing against people made in the image of God? And we talked about it other times, like, do we, uh, is our heart to slander, to put down, to make people feel shame? Or do we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And then he's like, well, I'm not really living as a king. Well, then who is your king? Because we all live for something. Like, what are you serving? Are you serving yourself or are you serving some kind of system or theory or philosophy? Because I wrote here today, there's, today there's, this, there's so many kings. I mean, they're not kings, but they might be influencers, uh, people on the internet are people in real life that are attracting people to who they are. So we can decide to live for somebody else than Jesus. There's plenty of people who would like to have followers. It's even called followers. I just, right now, it's even called followers now. <laughs> this is really funny. It's not called disciples yet, but it's called followers. So who are we following? Where do we get our information from? All those things shape who we are and what we're living for. So also if you're out there or in here, like, what are the things that are shaping your everyday as you're living? Are you living for something else than Jesus? Then what is it that you're living for? And why are you doing that? Now maybe people in here would say, "No, no, I am. I am. I mean, I am. I am living for Jesus. You know, I am doing that because I was told I'm supposed to do that. That's what Christian and everybody else is <laughs> is wanting me to do." Now I think we have to also. There's another category, and I think that's like the Jews is like, uh, as being religious people, maybe you grew up in church. We can pretend we live for Jesus when we're around other people. Um, so I hope it's not you, but uh, if you are, I would, <laughs> I would encourage you not to pretend and instead actually follow Jesus and not just pretend to follow Jesus. And just, uh, you might say, well, isn't it a little pushing it a little too far that people are willing to kill for you know, conserving their kingdom. But but we, we, we I was just thinking, people are today willing to do that. I mean, maybe not us, but when you see about crime, like you see like gangs, you see uh, fighting for drug territories, people are very, 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 very willing to kill. And that might even be for uh, wrong loyalty or for the love of money. That's a, a root of all, a lot of evils. Again, we see the world, the flesh, and the devil destroying what God has created for fleshly gain. 
So we can choose to try to build our own kingdom by a set of, so there, there has been no kingdom that hasn't fallen. Over history, they've all fallen to pieces. And we've heard, and if we believe that Jesus is who Matthew says, then his kingdom will last forever. That's the only one that won't collapse. Now the interesting part is, well, how can we all, how can we, how can we come together and say, well, I, I, I've, once I was a wise man, then I was the Jews, and then now I'm Herod. I don't know if you've been all three, but the whole of who Jesus was going to be was that he was the one that was going to provide. He was going to be the true Passover lamb. Jesus was going to come out of Egypt. He was going to, he was going to, reminding us that those things were shadows. The Passover lamb was a shadow. The lamb that where they put the, the, the blood on the doorpost was a shadow of Jesus coming. Jesus was, was the one that could walk on the water, not have to go through it. Jesus was the one, the great high priest, the great sacrifice. So when we can look to the one who is the king forever and ever, his kingdom is upside down and he sacrifices himself for us. So we don't have to build our own kingdom. But we can become like the wise men saying, no, I'll seek your kingdom first, Jesus. And I'm living for you and not myself. I won't be indifferent and I won't be about my own kingdom. I'll be for your kingdom. Because I can see, and this is the good news, that God loved the world and he sent his only son to be the perfect sacrifice and that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life that's the offer from us the good news and then he says like it's going to be at the very end but he does say all authority is given on me on heaven and earth now therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that's how, the, that's how the thing ends. So even here at this early time, Matthew is saying, although the evil one was trying to kill Jesus, he didn't. He couldn't do it. Jesus was preserved. He says that even foreigners, people like us, worship Jesus from the beginning. But religious people and other people were a little too busy with themselves. So it's encouragement to us to not be too busy with all the things that we're doing maybe even good religious works but being busy with worshipping Jesus and doing as he asks us to do live as lights in this world knowing that he has all the power and that we go and make disciples of all the nations let's pray together Heavenly Father thank you for this this time Thank you for 
the faithfulness and extreme devotion that the wise men had to come and worship you, Jesus. Thank you for showing us that. Thank you again showing us that we're welcome at your feet. Lord, I ask for us who has been indifferent and have been building our own kingdoms, Lord, I pray, help us to repent of that, even every day. I come and love and, and serve you, and not, not for our own gain, but because you are the Lord, Lord, and the King of Kings, and that and that's an invitation into the true life you have for us. And not being afraid of anything around us, but being bold and courageous to to live lives for you. Live for your kingdom. Believing that you say that if we seek your kingdom first, that's what we're asked to do. So I pray that for each of us here, I also pray for the people who don't. This is the first time they've heard this, Lord. I pray your Holy Spirit is encouraging and opening their eyes. Pray you are asking, answering questions and drawing people to yourself. For us who've heard it, heard it a billion times, Lord, help us again to really treasure this good news and be so, yeah, be so joyful and excited and excited as we saw the wise men be. Help us and me to be that every day as we see how amazing it is what you, who you are and what you do and what you call us into. Pray that for our good and your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. And so uh, you may stand up and then we'll have the benediction. And then we have, I think we'll have unfrozen pizza. But uh, it's still frozen. But it will unfreeze at some point. All right, let's pray. Uh, not let's pray. Let's have the benediction from uh, the end of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God and Savior through Jesus Christ, O Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen.